You're going where? You're doing what? Are you crazy, Aunt Tam? Make sure you subscribe. Welcome to Many Roads Traveled. I'm Tamara, and I have one question for you. Do you love to travel? Awesome! Well, then I invite you to join me on my 30,000-mile road trip from Paris to Cape Town back to Nairobi. One more thing. We'll be traveling back in time to 1993 before the internet, Google Maps, and cell phones. However, not to worry because I do give you up-to-date info on each episode. Plus, you can always find more information on my website, manyroadstravel.com. So, without further ado, let's hit the road! So, it is episode number 49. And on today's episode, we are covering a lot of ground. <laughs> so, we basically go from Victoria Falls, Zimbabwe, across to the Zambian side. We pop into Livingstone in Zambia and then very briefly pop into Botswana and then drive across the Caprivi Strip in Namibia and we check out some prehistoric rock drawings as well as the Tasha Pan and drive down Skeleton Coast. So yeah, covering a lot of stuff today <laughs> as well as over 1,500 miles. So that's going to take us up to close to 23,000 miles. So we are getting there. And this episode takes place between two to three weeks in December, 1993. <laughs> so way before, you know, the internet, cell phones, GPS, Google Maps, all that, you know, modern tech stuff that we got nowadays, which makes traveling a lot easier. I had been traveling on my own, but then I met three or four other lovely people in Harare, Zimbabwe, and... Warren, the English guy, he owned a Land Rover and he'd driven down from England and he's on his way to Cape Town. So I met them at the perfect time because this area, especially Namibia, there's just, even nowadays, there's just hardly any local transport. And the places that I had wanted to go see were in lesser known parts of Namibia and harder to get to. So honestly, I was just so happy that I'd met up with these guys and they allowed me to join their little group, which I nicknamed as the Commonwealth Crew, because there was uh, two Australian girl cousins, Leonie and Naomi, as well as a New Zealander guy, Kiwi, called Ollie. So yeah, so the five of us have been traveling at this point for a few weeks. Yeah, so we said goodbye to Victoria Falls, which is absolutely amazing, as you can imagine. Went across to Zambia. So this was so this was country number 21 for me on this trip, as well as my 14th African country. So yeah, so Victoria Falls, there's two sides. Half is on the Zimbabwean side and half is on the Zambian side. So after we crossed into Zambia, we went to Livingstone, which used to be the capital of Zambia. It was actually, I think, the capital when I was there. So it's changed in the 2000s. And we just, you know, stopped there, popped in, and it was named after the Scottish explorer who, I hate when they say who found it. Like there's people living there, local people living there for hundreds, if not thousands of years. But anyways, it was named after him, David Livingstone, who was the first European that apparently went there. And he was also a missionary. Not a fan of those either, but hey-ho, <laughs> just giving you the facts. <laughs> And then basically wanted to go into Botswana because we really wanted to go to the Okavanga de Delta. 
So we drove down to the border, crossed the border. So now I've already another country. <laughs> so 15th African country and 22 on the trip. And we drove like about an hour or so. And then we got to the near, the closest town and we ended up talking to them. And they said, like I said, this is 1983. And I also didn't write in my journals for th- three months and this is part of that time so this is all just going basically from my memory so not as detailed as previous episodes so bear with me so yeah i think we spoke to someone at tourist information or safari lodge or something like that and they said oh no it's it's the raiding season so you're not going to be able to actually get to the delta because it's just you know pretty much flooded so we're like oh God. And it's, you know, it was a bit of a journey too to get there. So we basically decided, okay, well, let's just turn around and head back into Namibia. So another country. So literally, we did about three countries in one day. <laughs> Got into Namibia, and then you drive through the Caprivi Strip, which is this panhandle. So it's a really narrow, it's about 240 miles long, northern part of Namibia. But it's beautiful because not many people, even nowadays, go up there. So it's really remote. So there's six different tribes that live in the Kabiri Strip. So there's lots of villages there, tribal villages, but not really many towns and definitely not a big city. But that's great because, you know, it's absolutely beautiful. There's so much wildlife up there. And with Warren's Land Rover, he had bolted a car seat on t- onto the roof of the, the Land Rover <laughs> Well, we all wanted to sit up there, but I, for some reason, got that seat a lot. And it was awesome because two people could sit up there at the same time. So and it was great. You just would stretch your legs out and then just have a 360 view of Africa. And they fed us a speaker up there. So we had tunes, sometimes had a beer, have a smoke. <laughs> it's just the best way to travel. Much, much easier than all the local transport and trucks and buses and minivans and everything else I uh, matatus that I'd be taking so yeah it was a light it was a luxury for me so yeah driving through the Kabiri strip I remember at one point we stopped and I was like oh well I looked behind me because well we basically were at a zebra crossing literally <laughs> because in front of us was a huge herd of zebras on the road so we were just followed them for quite a while, actually, for like good, I don't know, 20 minutes, half an hour, just, you know, obviously driving very, very slowly. And I've got an amazing photo of just basically like zebra's butts <laughs> just walking down the road. So, yeah, it was amazing. We also saw giraffes and elephants. You know, we're getting this for free, basically. We're not, you know, in a national park or anything. So, yeah, it was awesome. And then a little bit later on, again, we stop. Like what's what's now on the road? Well, it's a black mamba snake, one of the most poisonous snakes in the world. I'm on the roofs. So I don't know how you know agile these things are, because <laughs> it was all curled up. And then when the when the Land Rover pulled up near it, I mean obviously we stopped, and it just raised up. So it was now standing about eight feet tall. You know, top of the Land Rover is only about twelve feet, <laughs> so it would had completely unfurled either so he could have got a couple more feet but luckily that was in front of me where I was and I, you know didn't stay there very long it, it went into the bushes so thankfully <laughs> did not have to tangle with the black mamba 
not advisable for sure. Because I think if you get bitten by one of those, you're dead in like an hour or two. And like I said, you're in the middle of nowhere. But it's absolutely, like I said, it's beautiful because it follows, the Kriri Strip follows the Zambezi River. So there's lots of riverside forests and, and like I said, lots of animals, lots of birds. Basically feel like you're in the National Park for safaris, things like that, except for we didn't have to pay for it. So it was amazing. And then kind of near the end of the Kabrivi Strip, when you come into the mainland Namibia, there is, it's called the Mahanga Game Reserve. And then I think there is three other national parks along the Kipuri Strip as well. But anyways, we stopped at Mahanga one because uh, we can camp there. And it was awesome. Like, again, they have lit water holes at nighttime. So you could go to those and see all the animals because there's the big cats are there. Lots of antelopes and zebra and giraffe. It's super awesome. And it's really, really cheap to camp. I think it only costs us maybe a couple dollars each to camp for the night. So that was cool. Then we just always have bonfires and, and we all had little camping stoves so we could cook over the fire or our stove. So we were really self-sufficient, which was also awesome. Because also it was cheaper because I really didn't have much money at all left. I think I had a couple hundred dollars to get me to Cape Town. I didn't know exactly what I was going to do when I got to Cape Town because I didn't have a return flight or anything. So I only got a one-way flight from Toronto, Canada to Paris way back in January 93. It's now December 93. So I've been on the road almost a year as well. But I was just going to figure that out when I got there, basically. <laughs> Another thing, Mahanga Game Reserve, it's also really well known for the massive baobab trees, which are the trees you, when you think of Africa, those are the trees probably. They're very, very wide and they kind of like, almost look like an umbrella. They're beautiful. They're amazing. Again, I got an amazing photo of those trees. I think one of the oldest trees in the world, like that species, I think the ginkgo biloba tree in China and then baobab are right up there. So they've been around for millions of years. So again, lots and lots of wildlife up there. They have the elephants, hippos, buffaloes, huge crocs, <laughs> huge ones, giraffes, antelope, zebra, lions, leopard, and hyenas. So it's jam-packed. And even now, like not many people go there because it's so far north in Namibia. And the Kapiri Strip also, like, so there's four countries that border it. So you have Angola, Zam Zambia, Zimbabwe, and Namibia. So for Mahanga Game Park, we then drove down through Namibia, still staying fairly north, to Grootfontein. Whenever we come to a town, we usually restock for water and things like that, food. So from there, then we went up to a little place called Sumba to get to the Tasha Pan, which is basically the largest pan, so it's a salt pan, uh, in all of Africa. It's like 1,900 square miles. So it used to be a lake like 100 million years ago. And then, of course, that would just dried out. So it was just left with this really, really flat, big salt pan. And then there's like little hillocks will form. And, and basically, so that's like salt licks for the animals. And it's also about 1,000 meters elevated. But it's amazing. And Atasha in the tribal local languages, Atasha means the great white place because that's what it is it's just this shimmering white <laughs> so it's really cool though like in the wet season that it can fill up and turn into a lake again but lately the droughts in africa are so bad and we were there in the wet season so there was some water 
but you can see like lots of white. So you do have a lot of green too. So it's pretty much white and green. <laughs> and with the occasional baba plant kind of popping up here and there. And it is also now a UNESCO heritage site as well. As I was saying, it's so big and bright, you can actually see the Atasha pan from space. <laughs> That's so cool. And then also in the wet season, especially, they have up to a million flamingos, as well as the big cats and jackals and hyenas, springbok, zebra, and wildebeest. So again, packed full of nature and animals. So we got a little place called Halili for, I think, two nights because the area is just so beautiful. We, five of us would go for walks together, so at least safety in numbers. <laughs> so we say, you don't have to worry about the fastest runner. You just have to worry about the slowest runner and be faster than them. <laughs> so after there, we then drove down towards the Skeleton Coast, but we stopped off at a place called Twiffletane because it is renowned for their prehistoric rock paintings and engravings in, in the sandstone, which are, is like 100 million years old. And they reckon the paintings and engravings, they date back from 6,000 to 4,000 years. So 2,000 years of painting on the rocks and, and engraving in the rocks. And also Twiffletane, it's been inhabited for 6,000 years. So that's pretty crazy. So most of the rock carvings and paintings are of animals. Uh, as well as animal footprints and some human footprints. So it was really cool, actually. And there's also a freshwater spring nearby. And to do walk guided walking tours. And there's four different treks you can take. So I, I think we went for the longest one, so to see a lot of them. Because, like I said, there's over 2,500 different paintings and engravings there. But the two most renowned ones are called the Dancing Kudu. So kudu is like a type of antelope and the lion man. So we saw them. And then from there, we drove to Tora Bay, which is on the Skeleton Coast. Tora Bay is only open in December and January, and it's renowned for fishing. There's also like a camping area there. So I think you can have like, there's up to 60 different campsites. So we camped there and yeah, met the fishermen and just partied with them and, and ate fresh fish that they just caught right on the beach. We you know had a fire going, got some beers in. It was awesome. And there was quite a few people there, like all fishermen, right? So I don't know, maybe 100 people there. It was really fun. So I think we camped there for a couple nights. So after we left Tor Bay, we then went back into mainland Namibia to a place called Brandberg. It's basically, again, sandstone mountains area but also has a lot more rock paintings and sculptures so there there's over like forty-three thousand. but its most well-known one is called the white lady but unfortunately because tourists some tourists are idiots and for decades they would pour water over the white lady to make the white paint brighter well of course it's you know it's now faded <laughs> you can still see it but it's faded quite a lot over the last 50 years or so so yeah, don't screw around with prehistoric rock painting, man. So now there's a fence. You can't even get close to it now. We could. We could actually go up there. I really don't. I really hope we weren't one of those idiot tourists that poured water over it. I don't remember. So hopefully not. So after we saw White Lady, then we headed back to the coast to go to a place called Hetty's Bay. And right near Hetty's Bay, there's a seal reserve. The animal, not the Navy seals. <laughs> And Hattie's Bay is a really cute little place as well, right on the coast. And it's windy on that coast, I tell you. And I'm not a, I have what I call windophobia. 
So we had pitched our tents up and oh my gosh, my tent literally blew away. <laughs> like luckily I got it because my like my backpack was even in it. And that's how strong the wind was. It took it, oh, I don't know, about 20 meters down from where I had planted it in the ground. So we didn't stay there very long because of my wind windophobia. But it's a really, really cute little place, actually. So that's called Hetty's Bay. Maybe two nights there. And then, yeah, headed down to our, our first big town, really, called Svankomut, which is renowned for its German architecture and culture. But yeah, so that's kind of a wrap for this week. Next week's episode is about spending Christmas in Luderitz, Namibia, as well as going to an amazing place called Sosable. And then we're heading down to Cape Town. So I will have made it, which was my goal to get from Paris to Cape Town by land or water. So almost there. But of course, before we go, and now it's time for Tam's Top Tips. Tip number one. I would definitely check out Caprivi Strip. It is really amazing. And like I said, even now, it's not inhabited. It's so real, like it's so raw. It's natural. It's beautiful. Lots and lots of animals. And just driving through the strip, you see a lot of the animals. <laughs> so you don't have to pay for a safari. So you can save money there. And for to get into the Mahanga Game Reserve where I went, it's about $8. So nowadays it's about 13 Namibian dollars to one US dollar. And then it's only less than a dollar for per vehicle. So that's a good deal. And they do have different campgrounds that you can stay at or lodges or safaris. And of course, it depends on your budget. If you want, you know, bare bones, they're around about $15 a night. And if you want a luxurious lodge, you're looking, you know, $300 a night. So anywhere in between, basically. <laughs> So tip number two is for Tashapan. And in Tashapan, there's three main campgrounds that you can stay at. We stayed called Halili. I recommend Halili because it there's lots of water holes near that one. And also they do have camping as well as chalets and double rooms and things like that. So a bit more accommodation. But all three camps in the Tashapan now have swimming pools and restaurants. So it's definitely a step up from when I was there. It's very, very basic. <laughs> And again, they're looking anywhere between $95 to $150 a night for accommodation in Atashapan at one of those campsites. If you're camping, that will be cheaper. It will be cheaper than a chalet or a lodge, obviously. And then tip number three is about Twin Fontaine to go see the, the rock paintings, as well as the White Lady, because it's not too far apart. If you're going to go to one, you can go to both like an hour or something apart. And... For Twidful saying, yes, you can only do it through guided walking tours. And there, there's four different ones you can do between 30 minutes and 80 minutes. So totally up to you. So yeah, keep an eye out for the Lion Man and the Dancing Kudu. Because those are the most renowned ones. And of course, the White Lady at the other place. And Twiffleton is about three and a half hours from Atasha Pan. And four hours from Svakomut or five hours from Vintok, the capital. For my solo female travelers, I would say, even nowadays, you need a vehicle. So even if you meet other travelers in Zimbabwe or, let's say, Vuntuk, the capital, bigger places, maybe you know, rent a car or 4 by 4 together because it's just the public transport just doesn't go to these places, really. Unless, of course, you want to book safaris, then it's going to be a lot more expensive <laughs> than renting a car. But besides that, maybe I didn't have any problems there. Nice people. You know, keep an eye out for the animals, 
especially if you're camping and you're not in a national park, because there's a lot. So that's why I recommend Namibia to do safaris. And there's so much to see there and like hardly anyone goes there. So I would, yeah, recommend Namibia for sure. And like I said, dry season is between July and October. So I was there in the wet season. Okay, so I think that's a wrap. If you'd like to, you know, leave your reviews or comments, you can do that on Apple or Podchaser. So if you go to podchaser.com and just look up Many Roads Traveled, 2000 Traveled, and if every review, they donate 25 cents to Meals on Wheels. So you're doing some good too. And yeah, for any other info, just go to the website, mainroadstravel.com. Okay, so we'll see you next Thursday. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode along the way. And next week, it's episode number 50. So a bit of a milestone. So I just want to say thank you so much for listening. It means a lot to me. So I appreciate it. And I really do hope you enjoyed the journey. Don't worry, once we get to Cape Town, I still, I hitch back up to Nairobi. So still got a few episodes in the books. And luckily I start writing in my journal again from Durban, South Africa. So pretty much only two, the next two episodes will be just memory alone. So we can get back to a little bit more specifics for you. Okay, well have yourself an awesome day and we'll see you next Thursday. Until then, safe travels one road at a time.